Chapter 88 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter 88 In which Mr. Moore, the barber, arrives, and the medical gentleman lock the door the ladies were not much the wiser though i confess they were not far removed from the door the great men inside talked indistinctly and technically and once dr dillon was so unfeeling as to crack a joke they could not distinctly hear what and he hawed brutally over it and poor little mrs stirk was taken with a great palpitation and looked as white as a ghost and was indeed so obviously at the point of swooning that her women would have removed her to the nursery and placed her on the bed but that such a procedure would have obliged them to leave the door of their sick master's room just then a point of too lively interest to be deserted so they consoled their mistress and supported her with such strong moral cordials as compassionate persons in their rank and circumstances are prompt to administer oh mom jewel don't be taking it to heart that way though dear knows tis no way surprising you would for may i never sin if ever i seen such a murderin steel gimlet as the red-faced doctor i made the dublin man has out on the table beside the poor master tid frighten a hangman to look at it and six towels too why mom dear if twas what they were going to slaughter a bullock they wouldn't ax more nor that oh don't oh catty catty don't oh don't and why wouldn't i my darling mistress tell you what's going on the way you would not be drove out of your senses entirely if you had no notion mom dear if what they're going to do to him at this moment the door opened and dr dillon's carbuncled visage and glowing eyes appeared is there a steady woman there not a child you know mum ah uh, you'll do jacatty come in here if you please and we'll tell you what you're to do so being nothing loath she made her curtsy and glided in oh doctor gasped poor mrs stirk holding by the hem of his garment do you think it will kill him no mom not to-night at any rate he answered drawing back but still she held him oh doctor you think it will kill him no mom there's always some danger danger of what sir fungus mum if he gets over the chance of inflammation but on the other hand mum we may do him a power of good and see mum twill be best for you to go down or into the nursery and we'll call you mum if need be that is if he's better mum as we hope oh mr moore it's you sobbed the poor woman holding fast by the sleeve of the barber who that moment with many reverences and your servant mom had mounted to the lobby 
with the look of awestruck curiosity in his long honest face which the solemn circumstance of his visit warranted you're the man we sent for demanded dillon gruffly tis good mr moore cried trembling little mrs stark deprecating and wheedling him instinctively to make him on her side and lead him to take part with her and resist all violence to her husband flesh of her flesh and bone of her bone why don't you spake sore are you the barber we sent for or no what ails you man demanded the savage dr dillon in a suppressed roar at your service ma'am sir replied moore with submissive alacrity come in here then come in will you cried the doctor hauling him in with his great red hand there now there now there there he said gruffly extending his palm to keep off poor mrs stirk so he shut the door and poor mrs stirk heard him draw the bolt and felt that her barney had passed out of her hands and that she could do nothing for him now but clasp her hands and gasp up her prayers for his deliverance and so great indeed was her anguish and panic that she had not room for the feminine reflection how great a brute dr dillon was so she heard them talking this way and that but could not distinguish what they said only she heard them talking and once or twice a word reached her but not very intelligible such as twas sergeant beauchamp's see that mighty curious then a lot of mumbling and cruciform of course this was said by dr dillon near the door where he had come to take an additional candle from the table that stood there as he receded it lost itself in mumble again and then she heard quite plainly keep your hand there and a few seconds after hold it there and don't let it drip and then a little more mumbled dialogue and she thought she heard begin now and there was a dead silence of many seconds and mrs stirk felt as if she must scream and her heart beat at a gallop and her dry white lips silently called upon her maker for help and she felt quite wild and very faint and heard them speak brief and low together and then another long silence and then a loud voice in a sort of shriek cry out that name holy and awful which we do not mix in tales like this it was stirk's voice and he cried in the same horrid shriek murder mercy mr archer and poor mrs stirk with a loud hysterical cry that quivered with her agony answered from without and wildly rattled at the door-handle and pushed with all her feeble force to get in in a kind of crescendo screaming oh barney 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 sweetheart what are they doing oh blessed hour ma'am tis the master himself that is talking and with a very pale face the maid who stood in the doorway beside her uttered her amazed thanksgiving and the doctor's voices were now heard plainly enough soothing the patient and he seemed to have grown more collected and she heard him she thought 
repeat a snatch of a prayer as a man might just rescued from a shipwreck and he said in a tone more natural in one so sick and weak i'm a dead man he's done it where is he he's murdered me who demanded tools well-known voice archer the villain charles archer give me the cup with the claret and water and the spoon there it is said dylan's rough bass tones and she heard the maid's step crossing the floor and then there was a groan from stirk here take another spoonful and don't mind talking for a while it's doing mighty well there don't let him slip over that's enough just then tool opened the door enough to put his head through and gently restraining poor mrs stirk with his hand he said with a vigorous whisper twill all go well ma'am we hope if he's not agitated you must not go in ma'am nor talk to him by and by you may see him but he must be quiet now his pulse is very regular at present but you see ma'am we can't be too cautious while toole was thus discoursing her at the door she heard dr dillon washing his hands and stirk's familiar voice sounding so strange after the long silence say very languidly and slowly take a pen sir some one take and write write down what i say now ma'am you see he's bent on talking said toole whose quick ear caught the promise of a revelation i must be at my post ma'am the bedpost hey we may joke now ma'am that the patient's recovered his speech and you know you mustn't come in not till we tell you it's safe there now rely on me i give you my word of honour he's doing as well as we could have hoped for and toole shook her trembling little hand very cordially and there was a very good-natured twinkle in his eye and toole closed the door again and they heard stirk murmur something more and then the maid who was within was let out by toole and the door closed and bolted again and a sort of cooing and murmuring recommenced after a while toole absolutely pale and looking very stern opened the door and said he in a quiet way mom may i send catty down to the king's house with a note to mr blank a note to the king's house mom i thank you and see catty good girl ask to see the gentleman himself and take his answer from his own lips and he tore off the back of a letter and pencilled on it these words my dear sir dr stirk has been successfully operated upon by me and another gentleman and being restored to speech and recollection but very weak desires earnestly to see you and make an important disclosure to you as a justice of the peace i am sir your very obedient humble servant thomas toole upon this note he clapped a large seal with the toole arms and when it was complete placed it in the hands of catty who with her riding hood on and her head within it teeming with all sorts of wild conjectures and horrible images and her whole soul in a whirl of curiosity hurried along the dark street now and then 
glinted on by a gleam through a shutter or enlivened by the jingle of a harpsichord or a snatch of talk and laughter heard faintly through the windows and along the dublin road to the gate of the king's house the hall door of this hospitable mansion stood open and a flood of red candlelight fell upon one side of the grey horse saddle and holster pipes which waited the descent of mr low who was shaking hands with a hospitable colonel at the threshold catty was just in time and the booted gentleman in his surtout and cape strode back again into the light of the hall door and breaking the seal there read with his clear cold eye the lines which toole had pencilled and thrusting it into his coat pocket and receiving again the fuddled butler's benedictions he had given him half a crown he mounted his grey steed and at a brisk trot followed by his servant was in little more than two minutes time at dr stirk's door more the barber functus officio was now sitting in the hall with his razors in his pocket expecting his fee and smelling pleasantly of the glass of whisky which he had just drunk to the health and long life of the master god bless him and all the family dr toole met mr low on the lobby he was doing the honours of the ghastly eclairissement and bowed him up to the room with many an intervening whisper and a sort of apology for dylan whom he treated as quite unpresentable and resolved to keep as much as practicable in the background but that gentleman who exulted in a good stroke of surgery and had no sort of professional delicacy calling his absent fathers and brethren of the scalpel and forceps by confounded hard names when he detected a blunder or hit a blot of theirs met mr low on the upper lobby your servant sir said he rubbing his great red hands with a moist grin you see what i've done pell's no surgeon no more than that tool he was going to say but modified the comparison in time that candlestick to think of him never looking at the occiput and he found lying on his back twas well mr dangerfield pitched on me though i say it why shouldn't i say it a depression the size of a shilling in the back of the head a bit of depressed bone you see over the cerebellum the trepan has relieved him and was it mr dangerfield inquired low who was growing to admire that prompt cynical hero more and more every hour by gannies it just was he promised me five hundred guineas to make him speak what all them solemn asses could not compass that sweeping in their thousands every quarter thanks to a discerning public bah he had heard of a rake-helly dog with some stuff in his brain-pan and he came to me and i done it black dylan done it ha ha that's for the pack of them bah dr dylan knew that the profession slighted him and every man's hand against him he was against every man stirk was propped up and knew low and was in a ghastly sort of way glad to see him he looked strangely pale and haggard and spoke faintly take pen and ink said he there were both and paper ready he would not speak till you came whispered tool 
who looked hotter than usual and felt rather small and was glad to edge in a word and don't let him talk too long five minutes or so and no more said dr dillon and give him another spoonful now and where's mr dangerfield and do you really mean to say sir he promised you a fee of five eh said toole who could not restrain his somewhat angry curiosity five hundred guineas ha 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 began his sir there's a power of diversion in that tis a munificent fee and prompted by a fine public spirit we are all his debtors for it and to you sir too he's an early man sir i'm told you'll not see him to-night but whatever he has promised is already performed you may rely on his honour if you come out at nine in the morning dr dillon you'll find him over his letters and desk in his breakfast parlour said toole who apprehending that this night's work might possibly prove a hit for the disreputable and savage luminary was treating him though a good deal stung and confounded by the prodigious amount of the fee with more ceremony than he did at first short accounts you know said dillon locking the lid of his case down upon his instruments but maybe as you say tis best to see him in the morning them rich fellows is often testy ha <laughs> ha and a word with you dr toole and he beckoned his brother aside to the corner near the door and whispered something in his ear and laughed a little awkwardly and toole very red and grave lent him with many misgivings two guineas and see don't let them give him too much of that the chicken broth's too strong put some water to it miss if you please and give him no more to-night do you mind than another half a wine-glass full of claret unless the doctor here tells you so dr dillon took leave and his fiery steeds whirling him onward devoured with their resounding hoofs the road to dublin where he had mentally devoted tools two guineas to the pagan divinities whose worship was nightly celebrated at the old st columkill we had best have it in the shape of a deposition sir at once said low adjusting himself at the writing-table by the bedside and taking the pen in his fingers he looked on the stern and sunken features of the resuscitated doctor recalled as it were from the caverns of the dead and the gates of darkness to reveal an awful secret and point his cold finger at the head of the undiscovered murderer tell it as shortly as you can sir but without haste said toole with his finger on his pulse stirk looked dismal and frightened like a man with a hangman at his elbow it was that damned villain charles archer write that down twas a foul blow sir i murdered i suppose and then came a pause give me a spoonful of wine i was coming out of town at dusk this evening no sir you're here some time stunned and unconscious eh how long no matter sir now just say the date of the night it happened stirk uttered a deep groan am i dying said he no sir please goodness far from it said toole fracture asked stirk faintly why yes something of the sort indeed altogether a fracture but going on mighty well sir stabbed anywhere or gunshot wound demanded stirk 
nothing of the kind sir upon my honour you think i have a chance and stirk's cadaverous face was moist with the dews of an awful suspense chance said toole in an encouraging tone well i suppose you have sir ha ha but you know you must not tire yourself and we hope to have you on your legs again sir in a reasonable time i'm very bad the sight's affected groaned stirk see sir you tire yourself to no purpose you're in good hands sir and all will go well as we expect pell has been with you twice hm pell that's good and you're going on mighty well sir especially tonight doctor upon your honour have i a chance you have sir certainly yes upon my honour thank god groaned stirk turning up the whites of his eyes and lifting up two very shaky hands but you must not spoil it and fatigue will do that for you remarked toole but sir sir i beg pardon dr toole but this case is not quite a common one what dr stirk is about to say may acquire an additional legal value by his understanding precisely the degree of danger in which he lies now dr stirk you must not be over disturbed said low no sir don't fear me i'm not much disturbed said stirk well dr toole continued low we must depart a little here from regular medical routine tell dr stirk plainly all you think why um and dr toole cleared his voice and hesitated tell him what you and dr dillon think sir why dr dillon spoke very plainly to me i don't like his pulse sir i think you had better not have agitated him muttered toole with an impatient oath tis worse to keep his mind doubtful and on the stretch said low dr toole sir has told you the bright side of the case it is necessary making the deposition you propose that you should know t'other yes of course quite right go on said stark faintly why you know said toole sniffing and a little sulkily you know dr stirk we doctors like to put the best foot foremost but you can't but be aware that with the fractures two fractures along the summit of the skull and the operation by the trepan behind your head just accomplished there must be of course some danger i see sir said stirk very quietly but looking awfully cadaverous all i want to know is how long you think i may live you may recover altogether sir you may but of course you may there's a chance and things might not go right said toole taking snuff i see sir tis enough and there was a pause i'd like to have the sacrament and pray with the clergyman a little lord help me and my will only a few words i don't suppose there's much left me but there's a power of appointment a reversion of six hundred pounds stock i'm tired here take this said toole and put a half a dozen spoonsful of claret and water into his lips and he seemed to revive a little there's no immediate hurry upon my honour dr stirk there isn't said toole just rest aisy a bit you're disturbed a good deal sir your pulse shows it 
and you need not i assure you upon my conscience and honour tis quite on the cards you may recover and as he spoke tool was dropping something from a vial into a wine-glass sal volatile ether i can't say but when dr stirk swallowed it there was a potter carrier's aroma about the room then there was a pause for a while and tool kept his fingers on his pulse and stirk looked for some time as if he were on the point of fainting which in this case might have proved very like dying have you the claret bottle in the room demanded tool a little flurried for stirk's pulses were playing odd pranks and bounding and sinking in the dance of death the what sir asked the maid the wine woman this instant said the doctor with a little stomp so the moment he had the bottle he poured out half a large glass and began spooning it into stirk's white parted lips low looked on very uneasily for he expected as tool did also prodigious revelations though each had a suspicion that he had divined their nature tolerably clearly give him some more said tool with his fingers on the sick man's wrist and watching his countenance damn it don't be afraid more some more more and so the artillery doctor's spirit revived within him though with flickerings and tremblings and he heaved some great sighs and moved his lips then he lay still for a while and after that he spoke the pen sir right he said he met me in the butcher's wood he said he was going to sleep in town and stirk groaned dismally and he began talking on business and turned and walked a bit with me i did not expect to see him there he was frank and spoke me fair we were walking slowly he looked up in the sky with his hands in his coat pockets and was a step or so in advance of me and he turned short i didn't know i had no more fear than you and struck me a blow with something he had in his hand he rose to the blow on his toes twas so swift i had no time i could not see what he struck with it was like a short bit of rope charles archer do you know him dr tool asked low tool shook his head charles archer he repeated looking at stirk where does he live and he winked to tool who was about speaking to hold his peace here in this town chapel is it up the river a bit with with a changed name answered stirk and at the name he mentioned low and tool in silence and steadfastly exchanged a pale grim glance that was awful to see end of chapter eighty eight recording by john brandon